Hello and welcome to the Everything Considered podcast with me, April. I'm here once again with my friend, Sandra Lee. Uh, welcome back, Sandra. Oh, it's so nice to be here. You and I have so much fun when we get to talk. We do. We have a good time. Sandra is a life opportunity catalyst. And uh, previously, we have discussed human design, tuning forks, um, how to deal with difficult, stressful times. Uh, but today we're going to talk about food because that's an important part of our life. I mean, most of us eat three times a day, maybe more. <laughs> and and it's something we have to do to live. Um, when I was a little girl, Sandra, I used to see my mom watch eat these special little bars. They were called diet bars. And uh, I wasn't supposed to touch them. They were just for her. And uh, one day she went to work or went to go do something. And I was, I was in the house by myself. And I thought, I want to have one of those yummy little bars, those diet bars. And I peeled open the wrapper and I took a bite and ugh, it was like eating cardboard. It was the most awful thing ever. And I thought to myself, if this is what it means to eat healthy, I don't know that I want to do this, you know, or and then it really impacted me in the rest of my life because I really had this, this, you know, opinion or thought or conditioning around food that food could not be both good tasting and healthy. And I think this is one of the most confusing topics for most people because we grow up, uh, you know, being conditioned around food, what's healthy, um, you know, women in particular, we spend a good deal of our lives going on incredible amount of diets and we end up with all kinds of problems as a result. Um, but I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, that food should be both enjoyable and good for us. Yeah. <laughs> I am totally for that. Yeah. So you do these little uh, programs on Sundays called uh, Sundays with Sandra. And I saw this last week that you were making um, eggs Benedict. And it looks so good. And, and I want to hear more about your philosophy around food. Food is so complicated. Mm -hmm. And you tell a story about your childhood. Food is also very emotional. Yeah. There is so much tied into food. Think about being a little baby and your survival is dependent on that mother, those parents giving you food so that you can survive and giving yeah. you love so you yes. can survive. Yes. And food and love get inextricably stuck together forever. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's survival that's connected to it. Yes. And so thinking about all of this impact that food has on us and how I feel about myself, mm -hmm. about my life, about the people in my life. And of course, it's critical. I don't live, you don't live without food. Right. So, and we don't really talk about all of these connections, mm -hmm. all of these complexities, all of those, you know, foundational childhood experiences, like you shared, right. that forever changed your perception of food, of health, mm -hmm. and of yourself. Yes. Yeah. And to have those, I'm going to call it unfinished business, those those loose ends mm -hmm. that just kind of like tug at your energy, at your reality, at your awareness. Right. So, you know, when you are thinking about food, buying food, preparing food, going to a restaurant to have food, eating food at somebody else's house, does that memory ever come up? Mm. Yeah. And it shapes how you choose to eat and how you feel about yourself with every bite that you take, potentially. Mm. There's that unfinished business that's, that's dragging you down. And so allowing ourselves to heal that old trauma associated mm -hmm. with food and consciously choose the perspective I want food to have for me. Mm -hmm. and that's part of what the, the Sundays with Sandra is about. You know, part of it is 
a little bit of a teaching moment mm -hmm. about perspectives about food. And then part of it is I, I make food and I record a video of me making food for Sundays with Sandra. And then I take a picture of the food. And like with the eggs Benedict that we mentioned earlier, it's like, I want people to see that food is normal. It's healthy. It's fun. And that there can be variety mm -hmm. and that it doesn't have to be difficult. Yeah. Because some people who I've worked with in the past don't cook, don't know how to cook, don't, you know, don't have the, the dishes and, you know, the equipment to cook, but they want to, but there's all these barriers mm -hmm. in the way. And, you know, family of origin experience of food is such a powerful shaper of this whole thing. Mm. And, you know, we run along with habits, conditioning patterns that I don't necessarily feel good about. And that all gets like mashed in there. Yes. And then, you know, I had a client who kind of got lost. She knows that she eats more than she wants to when it comes to junk food. Mm -hmm. But she hadn't really, you know, put together any information about why. Mm -hmm. When I don't have any information about why, it's impossible for me to make a different choice. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's important to kind of look at some of those old patterns and see maybe what their genesis was. Where did that begin for me? You know, I know for me, it was just this whole idea that, you know, if you wanted to say, stay thin and pretty, you couldn't eat a lot and you had to eat cardboard, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, we went through, we've gone through periods of beliefs about nutrition in our culture. I mean, there was the whole non, no fat uh, period that we went through. I, I remember it in the eighties. I think it was the, it was eighties, maybe leaked into the nineties a little bit. Um, Susan Powers had a whole book on the no fat diet. And, um, you know, we have since learned that fat is important. This is actually the center of what we are going to talk about. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this right now. Okay. So a couple of things. One is that we get conflicting messages about food. Yes. And it's confusing. The government, the healthcare system say, oh, we found out that in order to be healthy, you need to not eat this and to eat that. Mm -hmm. But then later, they flip it. I was like, oh, you know what? We said you weren't supposed to eat that. You're actually supposed to eat that. And this mm -hmm. that we told you you're supposed to eat. Oh, that's bad for you. Right. The biggest place where this happens is when it comes to fat. Mm-hmm. And that low fat, no fat message that you mentioned earlier. Let's talk about how this all came to be. Okay. In my opinion, I am most likely to make a change if I understand why. Mm -hmm. If I don't understand why, I'm like getting all thrown around by this message, that message, this message, that message, it tosses me all over the place. Mm -hmm. I think part of why the government and the medical system do this is to keep us afraid and imbalanced so that I give up my control. Right. I would of, agree. Of my health, of what I eat, so that I don't have power. Mm -hmm. So understanding why these things are all out there and what's actually going on in the body. I'm big into science personally. Mm -hmm. So helps me to make a decision that makes sense for me and kind of not pay attention to those external messages so much. Mm -hmm. I get the external message and then I look at, does that make sense to me? And then in human design, you know, I'm designed to make gut decisions, mm -hmm. splenic authority. So it's like, what? feels right to me from a human design perspective other people might have other other ways some people might have to think about it some people go with the emotional waves that's a whole nother conversation right but for to take the information in and then whatever way you have of deciding what's actually right for me is good i encourage people to investigate you know to get some information so let's talk about 
what happened in this whole fat in your diet history. So in the 50s, these messages, these studies started coming out that said fat is bad. Fat causes cardiovascular disease. You need to stop eating fat. You need to stop eating saturated fat in particular. And you need to stop eating cholesterol mm. because all of those clog your arteries and give you cardiovascular disease. So that was all based on studies and papers and things that were done back in the 50s. One of these studies that, you know, it always just kind of blows me away. That's the basis, part of the basis of this um, diet heart hypothesis is what they called it was a study they did on rabbits. And they fed rabbits cholesterol and then noticed that they started having cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, when you eat cholesterol, it gives you cardiovascular disease. What they didn't pay any attention to is rabbits are vegetarian. Right. <laughs> rabbits don't eat cholesterol. Correct. So if you give these rabbits cholesterol-filled food, understandably, it's going to make them sick. Right. I don't think, April, that you are a rabbit. I know I'm not a rabbit. <laughs> Very different physiology. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so let's, and, and this whole not supposed to eat cholesterol thing led into not supposed to eat saturated fat mm -hmm. thing and the whole low-fat diet piece. This whole message that when you eat fat, it makes you fat, it on one level kind of makes logical sense, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's actually accurate. Right, right. When you eat fat, your body does not necessarily store it as fat. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily put fat into your arteries to cause heart disease. Okay. What contributes to the buildup of plaque, fatty plaque in the arteries, is actually inflammation. Mm. What is inflammation? Inflammation is your body's natural response to stress, to injury, and to sickness. Mm. Mm. So anytime I get a cut, for example, mm -hmm. I get a cut on my arm. My body has to use inflammation to bring supplies to that area to repair and then to clean that damage up after it's repaired and to, to heal this up. Mm -hmm. if, I, um, if I breathe in toxic car exhaust, right, that's something toxic in my body and my body says, oh, we have to go take care of that. And inflammation comes, gets that toxin pulls it out and and then has that go away okay if Makes i sense. eat something that is bad for me and i have a reaction in my my stomach my you know intestines <laughs> there's inflammation there and then cleans it up and then it goes away so the inflammatory response is natural and important for health right what i don't want is I don't want to have inflammation all of the time. Mm -hmm. If I eat a lot of food that has toxins or too much sugar in it or all you know sorts of different things that are not beneficial for my health, then I will have a background level of inflammation all of the time. Mm. Wow. So if I eat a candy bar, for example, full of sugar, that sugar alone is going to cause an increase in inflammation throughout my whole body. Right. Right. So let's, let's talk about what happens when there's inflammation. So imagine this is a blood vessel and there's a bend in the blood vessel. Right. And we have these all throughout the body, right? <laughs> but you know, arteries have to go all over the place. Okay. Mm -hmm. So imagine this is an artery and this is a bend in the artery mm -hmm. and blood comes through here. And it bumps into the wall. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So whoosh, 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 the blood is like 
pushing on that one same place over and over and over again. That causes a stress in that artery wall right there. Mm -hmm. And if, if I continually hit something, there's a possibility I'm going to get a little micro tear mm. in the wall of the artery. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. Yes. That pressure. Now, if I have inflammation, that means I have fluid that is outside of the blood vessels. Mm-hmm. That's what inflammation is, right? Right. Um, you know, if this is a capillaries, capillaries are the, the smallest arteries, okay? And blood comes through here and fluid comes out of the blood vessel into the tissue. And when it's stuck out there, that's inflammation. Right, right. Okay? So if in the area of this bend in the artery, there's a lot of inflammation in the area, it's more likely that when this blood hits there all the time, I'm going to get a little micro tear because it's all swollen, right? It's damaged already. Yes. So it's more likely to get those tears. Mm-hmm. So if I have a blood vessel and I get a little micro tear, the body has to repair that, right? Right, right. What the body uses as a patch is cholesterol. Yes. Wow. So the body takes cholesterol molecules and calcium and puts a patch on that little hole. Right. That's how you get the cholesterol in the wall of the artery. Mm-hmm. Because we have so much inflammation systemically that these repeated strikes cause damage to the artery that has to be patched. Right, right. It doesn't get into the wall of the artery just because I've eaten cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the message, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's cholesterol in the walls of the artery clogging the artery. We need to stop eating cholesterol. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, <laughs> but, but, you know, we can see how they come to that conclusion. Sure. They say, oh, you've got cholesterol in there. It must be because you ate it. Right. It's not taking account of the fact that this is the body doing what it's supposed to do right the body's smart damage Mm -hmm. yes so let's talk a little bit more about cholesterol again they they started making these recommendations to you know not eat cholesterol not eat saturated fat and not eat fat in general Mm -hmm. okay so what does the body use fat and cholesterol for well, I know that fat's important for brain function and hormone function. And yes. then like you just said, the cholesterol is reparative. I think it's important to have a certain amount of cholesterol. Yes. So let's talk about cholesterol alone. Okay. Your body needs more cholesterol than it's possible for you to eat. Hmm. It is not possible to eat enough cholesterol for all of your body's needs. Because why? Okay, let's talk about your brain. Okay, your brain has a a lot of fat in your brain, Mm -hmm. tremendous amount of fat in your brain. And every cell in your body has a cell wall. You've heard about cell walls. The cell wall is made of fat. Yes. Made of all of these, all these little fatty molecules that make up this double layer of fat for every single cell in your body. Right. If I eat good fat, then that fat's going to go into the walls of my cells. Mm-hmm. And all of the cells of my brain, there's a huge amount of fat in the brain. Right. You call yourself a fat head. That's actually <laughs> a compliment. I love it. <laughs> if you don't eat enough fat, your body doesn't have enough fat for all of your cells and for your brain to function. Yes. Plus, You know, your body, a significant part of what your body wants to use as fuel for energy is actually fat. Okay. Yeah. So your body needs all of this fat. Okay. So it's it's the cell walls. Okay. Plus you need cholesterol in the cell wall. Mm -hmm. If you have just the, the, the long chain fats that are in the cell wall, they would be a little too stiff. The cell wall needs to be flexible. It needs to move. There's proteins in there that move around. Mm -hmm. Cholesterol 
is in the cell wall. Lots of cholesterol is in the cell wall to help this cell wall be able to be flexible and to move into function. Mm -hmm. So you need cholesterol for your cell walls and a huge amount of cholesterol is in your brain. Wow. Plus cholesterol is the molecule that your body uses to make all of your hormones. Right. Your hormones start with a cholesterol molecule and gets turned into all of these other things. Mm -hmm. So when you don't get enough cholesterol, your body doesn't have enough cholesterol for all of these things. Mm. It's unfortunately really common for doctors to give people who have high cholesterol statins. Yes. What does a statin do? Statin makes it so your body cannot make cholesterol. Right. And it deprives your body of the cholesterol that it really needs for all these functions, which mm -hmm. means that I believe taking a statin contributed to my mother-in-law's dementia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Sandra, I, I saw a lot of clients over the years that would, it was, this was so common and I'm not sure if there's any studies done, done on it, but I, but a lot of my clients that were put on statins with it, they would have terrible leg pain, their pain, their legs would be, I mean, that was the number one complaint of all my clients that had been taking a statin was, you know, parrot, like, like terrible uh, pain at night in their legs. And I mean, just I, the tissue was completely taut and tight. It was like no blood flow was getting there. And I didn't know how that connected, but I, I knew it did just from observation that that, that seemed to be what always occurred. They'd go on the statins. The next thing I would know, the complaints would be, you know, you've got to do something with my legs because they hurt all the time. And yeah. that's, I'm sure, you know, like not, and then if the brain needs that cholesterol and you're depriving it, I mean, how much more? So yeah, I do, I do wonder if this is ca a causative factor in some of the things people are experiencing, especially people of a certain age that are, are uh, typically put on these drugs. Yeah. So yes, there are a lot of side effects that go along with the statins. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure exactly what it is about the statin that causes the muscle issues specifically, but I know mm -hmm. it's, it's very common. Right. Um, it could be some other some other part of it mm -hmm. uh, you know another result of statin working the way it's supposed to is you don't have enough coenzyme q10 right the the mechanism of stopping the cholesterol also stops the the production the availability of coenzyme q10 okay. and coenzyme q10 is needed by by everything mm -hmm. um, and primarily your heart has the highest amount of mm -hmm. coenzyme q10 and okay. so you know, when people are taking statins, if they decide they want to st still take statins, it's really important to also supplement with coenzyme Q10. Mm -hmm. I can because see Because to, to make up for that deficiency. Mm. Let, let's talk about more about cholesterol. You know, eggs are high in cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And in this time where it was recommended to not have cholesterol and not have saturated fat, they were telling people not to eat eggs. Right. And I read a book by a man named Ufe Ravenskopf, and I will always remember this. Um, I think the book was The Cholesterol Myth. Mm -hmm. not, didn't look that up, but I'm not positive. But I think it was The Cholesterol Myth. And he was, um, he was a physician, I think. And he did a study himself about eggs. He was able to measure his own cholesterol. And so... He measured his cholesterol before this study, and then for eight days in a row, he had, I'm not sure if the numbers, I should have looked this up. He had eight eggs a day Wow. for like two weeks or, or whatever it was, mm -hmm. and he measured his cholesterol every day while he was eating eight eggs a day, because theoretically, if eating eggs raises your cholesterol, this would cause a big increase in his cholesterol numbers. Mm -hmm. There was no effect. Mm -mm. on the cholesterol from eating eight eggs a day. I don't imagine how hard it would be to be able to eat eight eggs a day, 
but he did it for the purposes of the study. And his right. cholesterol went all over the place, totally yeah. unrelated mm -hmm. to the eggs. Right. Because the body makes cholesterol when it needs cholesterol. Right. It's like the, the band-aid that it sends out to make repairs. So it's not an evil, awful thing. One of the things that I wonder, um, well, I don't wonder, I know intuitively that I feel better when I eat things like eggs and, and, and more of a higher protein, lower sugar diet. I know if I have a lot of sugar, I feel terrible. It's almost like my body's telling me this is what causes me inflammation and it makes mm -hmm. you feel bad. Like you don't feel good. And this is what makes you feel better or feel, I, I don't know, balanced, um, you know, and I heard something this morning that the amount of sugar that we eat in one day in the 1600s, it would take a child an entire year to eat that much sugar. So that's very, a lot of the processed foods and sugars are very problematic. And I, I don't know, I know that there are people doing studies on, on this. Would you say that the high cholesterol, it's more indicative that it's, that it's the processed foods and well, the inflammation that results, not just from processed foods and sugars, but also stress and anxiety and lack of exercise and fresh air and our environment, that there's other things that they're not looking at. They're kind of just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yes. So if your body needs more cholesterol to respond to stress, toxicity, and injury, your mm -hmm. body's going to make it. Mm -hmm. Your liver makes most of the cholesterol. But then cholesterol can also be made throughout the body to meet the demands for the cholesterol. Mm. So if I am sick, my cholesterol is going to go up because my immune system needs the cholesterol to be able to heal me, help me get better. Mm. So the body says, oh, we need more cholesterol. If we've mm. got stress, oh, we have to deal with, we need more cholesterol. So the body makes Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That really does kind of change things. I was listening to Dr. Sean Baker this morning. He's a big advocate of the carnivore diet, which I find interesting. I think I do better more on like a paleo approach personally, but I, I found it was interesting, but he mentioned that there is a study coming up about this soon that will be released uh, that has been done and it was not funded by pharmaceutical companies or anything. So I'd be interested to, you know, when that comes out, I'd very much like to look at it because I feel yeah. like, yeah, there's a real, we, we've, but it's the same, you know, it's just like margarine. That was a big thing in the seventies and eighties. And I recently read that it's like a couple molecules away from plastic. Yeah. And so that was shocking. Let's talk, let's talk about the heart healthy oils. Okay. Okay. So this was part of the whole low fat conversation, low saturated fat conversation way back in the 70s and all that stuff that said oh to protect your cardiovascular system eat less fat eat less saturated fat and eat these heart healthy oils mm -hmm. so what is these you know liquid oils corn oil soy oil cottonseed oil um canola oil that's mm -hmm. that's those main oils these liquid oils they're in those plastic bottles on the shelf you can see through it right okay. these oils are primarily omega-6 oils uh, omega-6 fats mm -hmm. there's omega-6s and omega-3s okay and you need some of both okay but in our standard diet there's way more omega-6s mm -hmm. than omega-3s omega-3s are the ones that you take fish oil okay for. DHA and EPA and you know those are the omega-6 fats that you actually really do need mm -hmm. and then omega-3s those are the omega-3s and then you do need some omega-6s but because our diet is so overwhelmingly filled with the omega-6 fats soy corn canola um that it's imbalanced so when you have too much omega-6s that causes excess inflammation Mm -hmm. Plus, those omega-6 oils are damaged by uh -huh. processing. Oh, okay. And yeah. this is not as commonly known now. It's really just starting to be known. 
that you really want to decrease the amount of these omega-6 oils that you consume. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one person who is really out there spreading this message is Joseph McCullough. Oh, yes. He's mm-hmm. been putting a lot of information out about, you know, need to stop eating those omega-6s. Yes. Because it's inflammatory. And if you think about, we talked about how the fat you consume goes into the walls of your cells. Right. If you have, I mean, most people have way more omega-6s than they really need in their diet. And it's it's everywhere. The omega-6s are, you know, in the bottles and the oil, in the processed foods, in the restaurant foods, the omega-6s are everywhere. So Mm -hmm. when you eat these omega-6s, it gets incorporated into the walls of your cells. And it can take a long time to get them out of there. Oh, okay. So I have actually made a significant effort to stop eating sources of omega-6 fats. And again, those are things like canola oil, soy oil, oil, corn, cottonseed, basically all of those liquid oils, except um, avocado oil and olive oil. Okay. Now, all of these oils have some omega-3s, some omega-6s, and some saturated fats. They're all going to have a mix Uh of them. Right. Okay. So if I have olive oil, it's mostly monounsaturated fat, but there's going to be some polyunsaturated fats in there. There's going to be some omega-6s in there. But we're talking about what's the the proportions, how much (laughs) is there. Mm -hmm. So I have um, coconut oil, and avocado oil, which is monounsaturated, and olive oil. Those are my primary fats. Mm-hmm. And then I am not afraid of eating animal fats. Right, right. So, you know, the saturated animal fats are actually fine. They're not going to clog your arteries. Right. Understanding that you actually need those those quality fats. And yes. to as much as possible, eliminate or at least significantly reduce the sources of omega-6 fats. Does that so, include seed oils? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, because, so yeah, go seed ahead. Seed oils are um, cottonseed, um, canola, soy, and corn. Okay. Those are all seeds. Okay, okay. And those are those are the omega-6s. Okay. So let's, let's look at what this requires a person to do if they want to eliminate as much as possible these omega-6 fats you know just looking at what i am dealing with here in my own household with me and my husband Mm -hmm. like corn chips they're cooked in mostly canola oil right omega-6 fats the processing of these omega-6 fats corn soy canola um and cottonseed right they're, they're processed with heat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with high pressure. You take a seed and you smash it to get the oil out of it. That causes damage mm-hmm. to the fats. Right. So these fats wind up being highly damaged before they get to the point where they're on that store shelf. Okay. The process of making soy oil or corn oil is like, it's an industrial process. Mm-hmm you know, all kinds of pressure and heat and air. Heat. They take yeah. this this mass of like gunky, dark, smelly stuff and they have to use bleaches and stuff to change the smell so that you don't smell the nasty, you know, mm-hmm. rancid oil smell. And then they they make it so it's like, um, doesn't smell and it doesn't look like, look like, like anything in that bottle on the shelf. Mm-hmm. It's an industrial process. Right. Full of chemicals and it damages the fats. It damages yes. the oils. So when you get corn chips, potato chips, um, anything crispy kind of things, look at the ingredients and see is there soy or canola? Because those are the ones that are most often like, going to be in there. Corn right. could be as well. Yeah. Okay? There's the whole the whole side conversation of genetically modified and the food, you know, chemicals and stuff like that. That's also in there. Yeah. So, I think, as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, like the best rule of thumb is as unprocessed as possible. Cause our bodies know what to do with that. 
but yes. you're, we're putting Franken food in our bodies and the body's trying to sort out what to do with it. And it, it doesn't, it, it's not handling it well. That's, I think, I think probably a good, simple way to look at it. Yes. And it's like, not just the chips, but also, you know, all of the packaged foods. Oh yeah. Most of them have these soy oil, corn oil, canola in mm -hmm. there to learn to read your ingredients mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. learn to read the ingredients yeah and less is hydrogenated better. <laughs> fats let's go oh, back yeah. to talking about the margarine oh yes okay. please how yeah that was they, a big thing in my house yeah, how did they take soy oil cottonseed oil this liquid oil and mm -hmm. turn it into a semi-solid which is margarine right. okay they hydrogenate mm. they take hydrogen and in a process that involves like metal catalysts, mm -hmm. titanium or nickel or whatever, and mm. somehow they get the oil to take on these hydrogen molecules so that it's less saturated and it is able to form this semi-solid. Okay. You take a liquid and you turn it into a solid by making it with less double bonds and then there's this whole trans fat thing, right. right? So it's like in in these fat molecules, okay, omega sixes, okay. There's there's saturated fat is straight, mm -hmm. unsaturated fat is bent. Okay, kind of complicated, but you get these double bonds. Okay, right. So the the normal double bond for a fat is you know you have two two molecules here with a double bond between them and it's shaped like this it's mm -hmm. called cis okay when they go through the process of hydrogenation it becomes trans it's 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 like it's, um, it's like this it's okay it's, the, the angle changes okay right so why is that helpful because it's closer to being straight mm -hmm. when saturated fat molecules line up they pack nicely because they're off they're all straight right okay these cis formations they don't pack very well mm -hmm. so they they don't get solid okay to take a liquid oil and make it so it becomes semi-solid you have to make it so it's it's straighter but not fully straight interesting wow so the trans fats are still a little bit bent mm -hmm. but more straight and so they pack together more easily and become more solid right right but the body doesn't know what to do with the trans fat. No. Mm -mm. There's there's only there, there's one form of trans fat that normally gets made. Um, I don't know if it's made in the body or it's processable by the body, but it's a naturally forming and the body can handle that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. this industrially processed omega-6 oils that make trans fats, the body doesn't know what to do with it. Wow. Wow. So I and, and you know, when I was a kid, we ate margarine. Yeah, because you know there was that was supposed to be the healthy way to eat. That's right. Like, that's right. They even have little heart. We were talking about yeah the mixed yeah. messages. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it feels to me um like the twentieth and twenty first century have all been about just one giant experiment. Yes. To see well, how and, we handle these things. Yeah, the the whole you know justification for making this change: don't eat butter, don't eat lard, eat these heart healthy oils was to prevent cardiovascular disease mm -hmm. okay what happened was after a couple of decades of people eating the low fat heart healthy fat car cardiovascular disease increased dramatically yes people didn't used to have heart disease heart attacks right it didn't used to happen right but when we made these dietary changes associated with other dietary changes which is more complicated right mm -hmm. the, the incidence of cardiovascular disease went way up mm -hmm. along with cancer and all of you know diabetes all of these other health mm -hmm. things came about when they started messing with the way people normally ate their food yes yeah and some of it's been just about production and shelf stability so, you know, and greed, really, I mean, it's, we don't want this to go bad. If you, if you get something like butter, there's a expiration date, you know, but margarine, you could probably keep it in your refrigerator for three, 
years, maybe longer. I don't know. And it would probably still be there. And that's what the processed foods are made to do. They're made to last. Uh, but nature's not like that. Nature has cycles and decay is part of one of those cycles. And we just, we need to get away from this consumerism where more is more and more and more is better. And look at what does that mean long-term for us as a species, this constant consumption of things that on paper, they look like, oh, this is ideal, but the body's, you know, the body is part of nature and it's testifying that it doesn't like this because we've never been so sick before. Like, I mean, it's just not, people used to live closer to the land and they used to eat their own food that they grew and, you know, and raise their own animals and they had a connection. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really something I, when the grocery prices were, were going up, I, I was talking to, we were, we had these long lines going through the aisles and this older woman was, she says, I don't know how I'm going to do this on a fixed income. And, and she, and I said, you know, we really need to get back to having our own gardens and growing our own food and our own animals. And she, she nodded. She said, yeah, I remember those days. I remember doing that. It was a better life, you know? Yeah. Uh, is it, is it more work? Yes. Um, but long-term, I think it's worth it. You have control over what you eat when you make it yourself. That's right. That's right. And that's another one of the messages that I that I give people in Sundays with Sandra. I show people how you can take basic ingredients, mm-hmm. vegetables, meat, some fat, and you do something with it to then produce real food that your yes. body knows what to do with. And it's delicious. And, th- and that's the thing too, like healthy food should not be cardboard. It should not taste like that, you know, and it's unnecessary to, you know, we create the problem by eating the convenience foods. And then we create these convenient solutions that are worse than the actual cause. And it's just this vicious cycle. Uh, real food is the answer. Real food. Yeah. And that's what affects how I feel, mm-hmm. how I function. Right. Yeah, I work with mostly business people. If I want to be able to think clearly and solve problems and deal with the, the stresses and the things that come about in life, I need to have the basic materials that makes that possible. Yes. And that comes through my food and my water and my air. Yes. And the food is such an important part of that. Yes. And to get back to the beginning of the conversation, when we were talking about the confusing mixed messages Mm -hmm. that we get about food, just look at how those messages have changed from the perspective of the fat Mm -hmm. and cholesterol. Yes. They put into the dietary guidelines, lower the cholesterol as much as possible so that we, you know, protect our cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. And several years ago, they finally got rid of the cholesterol recommendation. Right. There is no longer a maximal recommendation when it comes to cholesterol because they realize, oh, you know what? It isn't the risk factor mm-hmm. that we thought it was. Yeah. It's actually important. Like maybe they could put in at some point, you want to have more cholesterol, <laughs> but you know, taking out the max cholesterol number was a really big That's a step in the right direction. Well, it's it's very convoluted. And I think the reason it's so convoluted is because there's so much financial interest in these things. I mean, I, and it's always kind of been that way. I've seen ads from the forties and fifties where they were advertising cigarettes for pregnant women, how, you know, help her to relax. And then of course you had the drugs that were supposed to prevent uh, morning sickness that ended up uh, causing fetal um, deformities. And so it has been one big experiment. And I think it would have been a better experiment had there not been so much financial interest uh, by these big companies that, you know, really stand to make a lot of money on the newest, the greatest, the latest. Uh, I think getting back to basics is really important. And I like 
uh, that you, which you pointed out that if you make it, you can control what goes in it. I cook six days a week, uh, sometimes seven. And um, because I do like to know what's in my food and I feel better, um, you know, when I eat food that I've prepared and I know what's in it. Um, and I, I think we've, we're too busy. We don't, we don't take the time and we don't have the patience and those we work for don't have the patience. And so, you know, to, to actually take the time to prepare a meal when you're exhausted is very hard. Uh, but you can take, you know, real small steps to towards doing that, keeping your, your recipes very simple. Um, it doesn't have to be complex, does it? No. Yeah. I mean, and simple. That's, that's again, another one of my messages in the Sundays with Sandra series. Mm -hmm. Showing people it doesn't have to be difficult. You know, it, yes, there is for people who don't know how to cook or aren't cooking now and are just learning how to do it. There's definitely a learning curve, mm -hmm. you know, and yes, there's some things that you really just need to buy so that you have the equipment right. and then, you know, start off. It, it might not all turn out the way you want it to in the beginning, mm -hmm. but each time you do it, you get a little bit more experience. Yeah. I made Brussels sprouts the other night and my youngest daughter Oh, I don't like those. That's a traumatic memory eating those. And I said, you know, it wasn't the Brussels sprouts. It was how I prepared them. I said, and I'm trying something different that I learned from a chef and just give it a try. And she's like, yeah, this is doable. Like I could eat this. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it does take practice and sometimes there's going to be failures and that's okay. That's how we all learn. Yeah. And another thing that I, you know, help people understand is sometimes you don't have time mm -hmm. so if you have made a larger batch of something earlier you can have leftovers yes and one of the things I've been enjoying doing lately is showing people how do I take this leftover soup or this leftover meat and make it more interesting to have it another time right. so that it doesn't get boring right because sometimes you know I'll I have an instant pot and I put everything in there and I make soup that's enough soup for like six days. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't want to have that same thing for six days. Right. If I take some of it, I put it in the freezer and I take some, we have it for a couple of days. We do something different to it, add a bunch of stuff on top of it. Then it's interesting and it's easy mm. without me having to start from basic ingredients and produce a meal every single day. Right. You know, I get tired of that. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There were six of us. I had, you know, four children at home at one time. I only have one left now and I still cook for an army. I'm just used to it. And so it's taken a lot of practice to kind of, you know, but you can freeze things and reheat them, uh, you know, have a leftover night and it's just all leftovers. There's different creative ways that you can make it interesting. I think we're here to enjoy food. I really do. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't think it's supposed to be an exercise in torture, you know, <laughs> of starvation and cardboard. It's not supposed to be like that. Uh, or you, it has to be terrible for you to be healthy. I don't believe that at all. So I believe ultimately everything is about frequencies. Mm -hmm. Yes. And information. So another thing that I talk about in Sundays with Sandra, though not as often, is variety. Mm. Some people eat the same thing every day. Yes. I wouldn't be able to do that. No, me neither. Because it's, it's boring. Yeah. But to, to change it up, mm -hmm. to add some different ingredients, to try something new, to have some things raw, some things cooked, it's frequency. Mm -hmm. And to look at the variety as being valuable nutrients. Yes. Yes. Think about when people didn't have grocery stores and they went out and gathered their food. They would eat a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. yep. So many different plants. So, you know, so it's like all of these different frequencies, these different things that provide different nutrients. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it interesting. It, it's kind of an art form. I enjoy cooking 
And I think that when I'm enjoying it, when I'm enjoying what I'm doing, that's going into my food. And then my loved ones that eat it feel that. I mean, I just really believe that. I think if you, if you've ever been to a restaurant and say the cook is angry and yelling, there's something about that experience that's very lacking. There's just, there's just something not good there. And so I think when you're preparing food, put on some nice music, dance a little bit safely (laughs) and prepare something, you know, that you put your love into and then serve it to your family. It's quite a joyful thing to do. The cleaning up, maybe someone else in the family likes to do that. (laughs) It's not my favorite thing, but it's part of, part of the deal. But yeah, Sandra, you are a wealth of information. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all this. You know, your stuff and, um, food can impact health, um, you know, from a frequency perspective and then also what we choose and also it can be just a source of great joy. Uh, I know I, when I was in uh, Europe, I, I took a lot of pictures of my food and I, and I got a little flack from family members over that. Um, but, I, but to me, it was such an art, you know, and I had so much appreciation for it. And uh, I just, I just think if we can start to kind of stop thinking of it as something you get through a drive through because you have five seconds or whatever, and think of it in terms of something that I'm doing because I love my body. I love myself and I love my family and I want to create something beautiful to offer. Yes. Yeah. Now, one thing, I don't want people to feel like they have to just get it all right. Right, right, right. If you're not cooking your own food now, make one small change at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it can be overwhelming. Yes, definitely. It can be incredibly overwhelming to change this thing that you've been doing your whole life mm-hmm. and to make like major revamps. Oh, yeah. So to just like try one new ingredient, mm-hmm. try one new thing. Try mm-hmm. one meal, get a new pan, get a new dish, whatever, one thing at a time so that it's not overwhelming. Yes. And celebrate every little improvement that you make. Mm-hmm. It's a victory. Yes. And, you know, pat yourself on the back and don't beat yourself up. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. I, I have a, a friend who, um, there's this couple I know. And I would get together with them and and make food together with them. And he did most of the cooking, but he was used to eating, you know, a lot of packages. And I took him to the grocery store, the, the food co-op, and I taught him how to read labels. Mm. And I taught him how to start getting fresh food. Mm-hmm completely changed how he cooked yeah like now he's a better cook than i am wow because he puts a lot of love and energy and attention into you know i mean he you know he watches the 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 show on tv and sometimes he'll you know make stuff inspired by that or whatever and so it's like it is possible whatever age you are at to make improvements and how you eat, how you support yourself and your family mm-hmm. with what you eat. Yes. And to understand that this is the basis for your health, for yes. your brain function and your ability to perform in whatever work you are doing. Yes. That's a very empowered place to be. You know, in the other end of it, like I, things are happening to me. No, things things are happening and you can be powerful. You can make better decisions about what you're the choices that you make and, and how you treat your body and it will impact everything. I think a lot of the mental issues that we struggle with, um, of course they come from the stress that we go through on the outside. But I think that what we're putting in our body in terms of fuel can make a really big difference in how we're able to handle those things. Cause you may not be able to control what's going on in the outside world, but you can really control what's going on in the inner world to the degree that you decide to take responsibility for that and become empowered in your choices. 
and and put stuff in that you know love your body by giving it the things that it really really desires and needs and that taste good and that are fun um and and that um make dining an experience a really wonderful experience not just love your body love your brain oh yeah yeah you know a super thing you know big thing that people fear is alzheimer's and dementia mm-hmm. oh yeah and to understand that what you put on your fork every day is the biggest thing mm-hmm. that impacts that i think that people probably fear alzheimer's more than they fear heart disease oh yeah because you lose you're losing touch with yourself what what about artificial sweeteners role in this because i know there's some connection between aspartamine and brain health yes so years ago i read a book um excitotoxins the taste that kills mm-hmm. by russell blaylock mm-hmm. he's a he's a neuro neurologist neurosurgeon and in this book he explains about what happens when you get glutamate mm-hmm. which is monosodium glutamate yes and it's about how neurons function so neurons uh, a lot of neurons not all neurons but a lot of neurons use glutamate as a neurotransmitter mm-hmm. and when you eat monosodium glutamate you get a lot of this glutamate and the glutamate causes the neurons to get excited mm. and if they get too excited they die oh goodness so when people eat monosodium glutamate mm-hmm. or you know the artificial sweeteners some of them have the same effect just this one fun- one aspect of how the neurons work mm-hmm. is it kills neurons kills okay brain cells so thinking about the the chinese restaurant effect Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. that they you know used to put a lot of msg into those foods okay we are talking about um, monosodium glutamate or hydrolyzed protein or all sorts of different ingredients Mm -hmm. in processed foods will have this same cytotoxic effect right so neurotoxins, there's just, again, going back to that same central point, if when you start to really mess with food and change its fundamental structures, uh, you know, and I, the, the term Franken foods again, comes to mm-hmm. mind, you know, um, the body doesn't recognize that, or it recognizes it in a way, in a way that's not healthy for us and becomes those things become toxic to us. So getting back to simple, simple ingredients uh, ones that our forebears were familiar with and, and sugars, you know, the, the overconsumption of sugars, that's a, that's another really big deal. So this has been really fascinating, Sandra. I got so much information in here. <laughs> you do. I'm impressed. I love this because you're putting into, you're putting into words, uh, something that is a, a, a philosophy that I'm really coming to. Uh, except in my own life and, and really starting to make some good choices about um, how I choose to feed my body and my soul. Yeah. So you've really given, a, given us a lot to consider now on Sundays, you do, you do Sundays with Sandra and you share uh, videos where you're cooking something. I caught the one on the uh, French onion soup. That was pretty yummy. And then uh, the one last week was the eggs Benedict, uh, but you have all sorts of them so they can find you on Facebook. You're doing those, Mm -hmm. right? And she is a life opportunity catalyst and she's amazing about changing the way your beliefs and or helping you to alter what you believe and ultimately uh, how you express those things in the world. Uh, Just a very impactful person. And so grateful to have you on today, Sandra. And are there any other places where they can find you? Um, MiracleInspirations.com is okay. my website. Okay. Um, it's not as up to date as I would like it to be, but it is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a newsletter that um, people can get. And I have a special offer coming up um, of a package of um, healing sessions that's mm-hmm. going to be at a special savings. So there's all kinds of things available. So Sandra at MiracleInspirations.com. They can email me and MiracleInspirations.com is the website. 
Fabulous. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on, Sandra. And please reach out to her if you'd like to just learn more about her and what she offers and check out uh, uh, Sundays with Sandra. Uh, you won't, you yes. won't regret it. It's wonderful. Thank you everybody for joining us today. Thank and you. thank you so much, Sandra, for coming on today. I'm so happy okay. to catch you. Take care now. Bye everybody. Bye. See you next time. Bye.